previously on Sound of Sanity. Ah, uh, little one, if you could but see the clockwork precision of the programming that undergirds your own feeble experiences of love, of family, of growth, and reproduction. There is no love. There is only programming. There is no love. There is only the cold and beautiful machine that is the universe. There is no love. We are all only wind-up toys made of stardust. There is no love. We are all only wind-up toys made of stardust. There is no love. There is no love. Hello, Radiohead. I have missed you, Bleep Bloop. Dot E, she has returned. Be still, my spinning processor. Oh boy. You are now listening to The Sound of Sanity. This sound will continue for the duration of the program. Hey everybody, welcome to Sound of Sanity. My name is Nathan, your humble and obedient host, and right over there, we've got Benjamin Solzer, your proud and rebellious producer on the show. Proud and loud. That's proud what we loud. call me. <laughs> you are proud and you are loud. I am. No, Ben, you're meek and speak at a normal volume most of the time. I yell when I'm in my car sometimes, but no one hears me. Are you really yelling then? <laughs> if no one hears you? Maybe not, Nathan. The age-old philosophic question. <laughs> and we're here to ask it today on right. Sound of Sanity. And speaking of age-old and philosophic, why don't you introduce our third person? <laughs> His name is Jake Mensel. He's a pastor. He's part of the show. Hi, Jake. Hey, Ben. How are you? I'm okay. Just happy to be here. We are going to follow up our classic episodes, and I'm, I say that not ironically because these episodes were popular. The top five ways to get a man, top seven ways. What we discovered is that relationships and listicles go together well on Sound of Sanity. And so we are bringing the listicle wisdom today, relationship-wise, as we talk about the top six ways to fight with your spouse. That's right. We're talking about marital conflict today. And we are going to give you six ways to do it well, which is something that you have to do. Well, actually, let's talk about that because it turns out our number one piece of advice for fighting with your spouse is fight with your spouse. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the first point in our six points. My name is Nathan. That's Ben. That's Jake. I'm here. Hey, we're still here. We are still here. The number one point in how to fight with your spouse is Fight with your spouse! Have conflict. Nathan, everyone knows conflict is bad. Oh, no. The devil's up because the alarm <laughs> no, is no. Still, The alarm didn't even go off. <laughs> the alarm didn't even see it coming, man. Yeah. It's just such an obvious you in-your-face just... point. Every Christian knows conflict is bad. If there's conflict, that's a sign you're a sinner. Well, blessed, so, blessed are the peacemakers. That, or it's a sign that you have a relationship with somebody that is... Anything approximating real. Conflict is real and necessary in any relationship between two people who are different, much less two sinners who are different from each other. And guess what? 
no two people are not on fire and no two people are alike and all two people and everyone after them are sinners. So conflict is real. And the question is only, are you going to actually deal with the conflict and work through it? Or are you going to let it build up and blow up down the line? Or are you just going to shut down and have no relationship whatsoever and make your peace and go your separate ways? And then lie to yourself that you're not having any conflict. Right. So you're either lying to yourself about the conflict by either suppressing it and it's going to explode or just living in enough denial of it, carving out separate space for each other to not have any real relationship. Or you're committed to having a relationship and therefore committed to working through the conflict, which means there will be fights, there will be tension that has to be dealt with. And so the very first thing we want to say is, you, if you want to have a real relationship, if you want to have real intimacy with one another, conflict is not optional. Conflict is necessary, not just to have, but to actually engage with. And sorry, if you're a conflict-averse person, you've got to suck it up and deal with it one way or another. And it doesn't have to look the same in every relationship, but it's got to be done. When I married my wife, I knew, of course, that you're supposed to have conflict. But what I didn't realize is how many times, like I knew like she'd have an opinion and I'd have an opinion and we'd need to clash it out. Like I, I, I could picture the obvious conflict, but what I didn't realize is how often we would actually both not really feel like having conflict. We would both just be like emotionally not there for it. It wouldn't come naturally, but there would just be these underlying currents of tension about something. The bad, immature version of it is you find an excuse to have a fight so you that you the can- the socks out, your socks in the floor. Yeah, we had one not too long ago. We were at youth group and we, we help out with the church youth group and I ate an ice cream sandwich, one of the ice cream sandwiches. And she was like glowering at me and I was like, what's the problem? And then we got in the car and- she was like, why did you eat that ice cream sandwich? I thought we were doing this diet. And I was like, oh, it's just one ice cream sandwich. And technically, it's part of the diet. And why does this matter? And we went round and around and around for like 20 minutes about this ice cream sandwich. And finally, I said, like, what is the deal? Why are we fighting? And she said, it's because you haven't given me a comprehensive plan for us moving to Evansville. <laughs> and then i got really upset with myself and this has kind of become a joke in our relationship because i I suddenly was overwhelmed with loathing and self-contempt because i realized i hadn't i had assumed that she understood what my desires were in terms of us moving which i guess the listeners can know we're all three of us planting a church in evansville and i just hadn't been clear in my communication so I got really upset and said, ah, I'm the worst. I should just, I should put my head down a garbage disposal. And, and you should flip the switch, honey. <laughs> <laughs> With the rest of those ice cream sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, yeah, a lot of our fights have been kind of like that. Like, well, actually. You put your head down a garbage disposal. I do. And <laughs> she, she's she like, I'm flipping the switch. switch. You're like, no. <laughs> That's the end. <laughs> well, I actually, I resonate with it. So this is maybe it's a little too similar to be useful to our listeners because it's the same thing. Like she tells me you haven't communicated with but with me about this. And I'm like, oh, no, I assumed everything instead of talking to you. And now everything stinks and I am the worst. So I should die. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what I thought, Ben. <laughs> but I only bring that up as a semi-funny example of we'd probably had tension for a week at that point and we needed the ice cream sandwich to 
just break this thing open because we needed to have a fight. And it wasn't even that we needed to have a fight. It's just that we needed to clarify how we felt and what we were doing. And it fascinates me how much of your work in marriage is just doing things like that. We will need to fight about ice cream sandwiches so that we can get to figuring out our entire approach to the next years of our lives. Those are the socks on the floor, but that's not really the socks on the floor. It's like, you don't respect me or whatever it is. Yeah. You have to, you don't, you're not going to even know that that's what you're feeling until you fight about the stupid socks on the floor. It's kind of counterintuitive. Eventually you'll accumulate enough fights about socks on the floor that you'll, that you'll know. (laughs) That's not what, catch it in yourself. It's like, I'm ready to blow up about these socks on the floor. Therefore, I have been bottling up some frustration and irritation. And what's this really about? What are the ways I really don't feel loved or respected? Or what's the, what's the real issue here? Why do I feel rising within me the urge to lose it over this petty thing? Yep. Here's what it is. And here's what I actually needed to, to deal with in myself and what I actually need to address. For us, it's yeah. so much about doing the work of working through these things until we match. Right. Like I, I will, I will see the socks on the floor and be like, she didn't pick up the socks. And that means she doesn't love me. And you know, I'll actually figure it all out. And then she'll be like, we're arguing about socks, right? Or I'm not trying to pretend like I'm always the fast <laughs> processor. She'll be like, uh, this is because you think that I'm your mom or something like that, that you, you can just throw your socks down and it's a fundamental misunderstanding. And I'll be like, I thought we were, I thought we were arguing about socks or I'll even begrudgingly know she's right, but be like, I just want to argue about the socks because I don't want to. Actually, actually, I just don't want to have to worry about socks. Can we just not worry about socks? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, because I'm reading more into this than there is. Nick. Or no, because I am rightly assessing what's going on here. Yeah. Jordan Peterson has a nice little section about that in his book where he talks about leaving the cap off the toothpaste and how there's sometimes where you need to just make a conscious decision. Well, he's always going to leave the cap off the toothpaste. And there are some times where you have to realize this is the dragon that is growing under our bed and is going to destroy our marriage <laughs> if we don't deal with it. You have to know the difference. <laughs> and knowing that difference is, is hard, but it's part of what, it's what you learn through experience. Mm-hmm. The other thing that you learn through experience, I'm going to move us into a next point. The other thing that you learn through experience as much as anything, is how to fight fair. Fight fair. Fight fair. Fight with your spouse. Fight fair. Fight fair. Fight fair. Fair. Fight fair. Fight fair. And there are some principles and things that we can say about that, but ultimately, fighting fair comes down to trust. The reason you're tempted to not fight fair is because you don't trust each other, and so you have you feel like you have to load your argument and fight in a way because you have to be out for yourself because your spouse your husband or your wife isn't out for you so you have to be out for yourself you're not trusting that you're on each other's side that you're for each other and that you're for the marriage and so you start to fight dirty you start to fight unfair and the deeper rooted your mommy and daddy issues go or whatever else or sins uh, in your relationship prior to your marriage there are all kinds of ways and reasons why you have mistrust or sins after your marriage Mm -hmm. There are all kinds of ways to harm your trust for each other and your trust that you're for one another. But through the process of working through and accumulating conflicts that you've worked through in a a healthy way, you begin to trust that you're for each other and it becomes easier and easier to fight fair. But you really do have to from the outset. 
seek to fight fair. And a lot of what that means is simply never using the words always and never in your fights, things like that. What did I what did I say? Before? Don't you don't you just don't you mean usually not using the words never and always? No, I mean never say never. Whoa. Whatever you do. Never say never again. Or whatever it is. Hope for the best, work for the rest. Never say never <laughs> again. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Our favorite musical. One of our favorite musical movies. Immigrant musical movies. Yeah, right up there with Hamilton. Oh, I thought we were talking about him. Was that oh. not Hamilton? Well, yeah, there is the part where Hamilton <laughs> goes to the Statue of Liberty, which is <laughs> built at that time, pigeon and, and a <laughs> pigeon <laughs> teaches him the value of working hard and never saying never. Oh, okay, yeah, that's yeah, that's what I was talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> of course, Hamilton's famed love of cheese gets him over here in the first place. It's anyway. Yeah, well, he, he wanted to be sure there were no cats in yep, America. That's exactly right. No, you never say never or always. Never is never good and always is never fair. That's the kind of tactic that we adopt, though. You always or you never. When we're not willing to be sympathetic to one another, we're not willing to see, to be balanced and truthful um, because we feel like we need to load up our arguments for us. We can't even trust our wife or our husband to be honest about themselves and admit to as much as they're guilty of, and so we have to accuse them of more. My brain literally tells me something like this. If I let her tell me that it's unkind for me to leave my socks on the floor, if I let her have that one, then that's the end of my authority in the marriage. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad I've never had any thoughts like that. Like, if I don't assert myself here, and and so I tend to resort to drastic language when I'm talking to her, I'm, I'm not trusting in her goodwill. And it's not because it's not there. She does have goodwill. But I'm not in that, yeah. in that crazy, insane, psychologically damaged moment. I'm not assuming that it's there like I should. I'm assuming if I let her have an inch, then obviously she's going to take, take the a mile. mile yeah. And then I'm in big trouble. So I can't ever let her have an inch. Right. And so how dare you do this? You and can then, never do this. You, we're, this is always a problem. And then that feeds the mistrust. And it feeds, actually, you know, it ends up creating, if you're not careful, the very thing that you are out to prevent right because yeah, she's like what you're teaching her is that i can't get an inch if ever i get an inch i better take i better take the mile because he won't let me have an inch and i better i can't trust him to give an inch if i'm gonna come with an argument it better be for a mile because the most i'm ever gonna get out of this skin flint is an inch exactly so yep yep and you're teaching her to shut down is a lot of things that she would normally tell you would be helpful to you and she won't be able to talk to you about things that you will want to know. Yeah, so you have to trust that you're for each other, and that does come with just time and working through these things in a healthy way and being soft and repentant, willing to acknowledge where you're wrong. Mm -hmm. The other thing that you can do in those situations is, and I know that people out there are going to feel like this is soft and lame, but the difference between you always and it feels like Mm -hmm. you always is a big difference. But it feels like you always, at the very least, acknowledges my perspective on this may not be 100% accurate, but I do need you to take seriously this feeling that I have. I feel like we've broken open a million arguments that way. It takes us like three hours to get here, but then we'll say, I know this isn't true. I know the thing I've been saying for the last three hours isn't true, but understand that it feels I true. feel this way. It yeah. feels like 
you want to condemn me for being the world's worst husband because I put the socks on the floor when in fact it's just socks. That gets us somewhere. The reason that feels like a a weak or a soft thing to do is because it it feels like you're giving up objectivity Mm -hmm. and you're turning it into a subjective thing about your feelings. Um, when sometimes what you need to do do is deal with the objective issue of the socks on the ground. But at the end of the day, what we're talking about is a relationship. Yeah. And what that means is, uh, as much as anything, is you're talking about your subjective perceptions on an issue that neither of you may necessarily be clear about or have the full perspective on because you don't you hardly know yourself. Well, and so I think what much that was less that, than the other person. What's actually mm-hmm. happening there is. You can't be objective about the facts because you're too wrapped up in the emotions. What you can act, the one thing that you can actually be objective about in some fights is the emotions. Exactly right. Objectively, I know that I subjectively feel this way. So if we need a foothold, a place to start. That is objective. That's often. This is the most objective thing that I can say right now or that we can all agree on. I objectively feel like this is true. And it objectively makes you feel this way, or maybe you objectively feel a different way. Let's put those together. And then we can work on We that. can start to build off of that foundation a little bit. And maybe that will give us insight into the objective reality of why the stupid socks are on the floor. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and objectively, what to do. And knowing the emotions. I mean, sometimes we could posit a reality where objectively speaking, Nathan's not being selfish. It makes sense for him to put his socks on the floor. But if we, if we add to that the objective truth that Meredith feels like garbage when Nathan puts his socks on the floor, then it's like, maybe Nathan should put his socks on the floor simply because it makes her feel that way. Yeah, right. that's right. You have to deal with other people's emotional reality, even if their emotional reality isn't like fair. Yeah. But at the very least, let's get it on the table. Let's, yeah. let's, let's have all those things in the pot as we discuss this. Yeah, and then there's a time and a place to make decisions in your relationship where you're simply going to tell the other person that they need to tell their feelings no. There's mm-hmm. a time and place to be accommodating to your wife or your husband's feelings. And there's a time to say, your feelings about all of this are wrong. Therefore, because this is connected to so many other things, instead of bending me, bending to your feelings, you're going to bend your feelings to the objective truth that I'm telling you. But here's an idea. Knowing what those feelings are is pretty handy before you... Before you decide to lay down that kind of law. Yeah. Right? Don't, you, you should know right. what your law is going to do. Right. As opposed to... I mean, I think I'm. It's, it's hard for me not to just talk to the men here, but it's, it's, I think it's easy for us in the authoritative position to just make sweeping pronouncements without yep. thinking about how they're going to feel. And, and it's like sometimes you should make sweeping pronouncements. Sometimes you should lay down the law, but you should always know what the cost is yep. and how she's going to feel about it. And it helps if those things are clearly articulated. In the ways it's going to be hard. In the ways it's going to be hard. Was well, there anything else we want to say about point number two, which is fight fair, fight fair, fight fair. No, I think it leads directly into point three though. Which is? Which is know your role. Fight with your spouse. Fight fair, fight fair. Know your role. Knowing your place in the relationship as... We're talking about marriage, so as the husband and therefore as the head and the authority, the leader, the responsible party, or the wife who's in the subordinate position beneath her husband, really matters both in 
uh, the way you engage in conflict and if I may be a bald-faced pragmatist, it matters how you win. Right. People want so much to deny this in marital relationships. So it may be simplest to pull this into a different context and then apply it to marriage. Yeah. Move to any other relationship of authority, whether it's a boss and an employee or whether it's a parent and a child, um, which is not to say that the relationship between a husband and wife is one-to-one with a parent and a child or a boss or whatever. One of the directions I was tempted to go in is civil authority Mm -hmm. and citizen. All of us recognize that our civil authorities do better when they make us feel like they hear us, they understand us, they have heard what we think is good, and they're acting not necessarily because we don't live in a democracy, we live in a republic where we've elected representatives to make what they think are the best decisions on our behalf. They have heard us, and now they're going to act in our best interests as they see it. Now, that's the way that it's supposed to work. We all know it doesn't work that way. But we know that that is the way we want it to work. We all know that that's what makes us happy to Mm -hmm. submit to our authorities. The more we feel like our mayor, our governor, our president, our senate, our congress understands us, has heard us, and is representing us, taking our desires and wishes and needs into consideration, the more we respect their authority and the more we respect when they make a decision that we disagree with or that we don't like. Similarly, on the flip side of that, the citizen who uh, appeals to the governor, to the president, or to the state legislature, the city council, whatever, who is in a subordinate position, acknowledges the difficulties of leading and governing well, acknowledges the difficulties of bearing the responsibility for all of these decisions and makes an appeal, somebody who shows enough respect for the weight of governance by making that sort of appeal is going to be more readily listened to. It's going to be easier to hear that than to hear somebody who's just a loudmouth rebel who is throwing up their fist. It's like, well, if you don't have respect for the weight of responsibility that comes with governing and being this authority and bearing this weight, and you think that you know better, fine, you run for office, you take the responsibility, you do it yourself. I'm not inclined to listen to you. Now, it's going to look different with a parent and a child. It's going to look different in a marriage. But at the end of the day, knowing your place as the head of your home means knowing the weaknesses and vulnerabilities and fears and insecurities of your wife, who is the weaker vessel, her concerns, being willing to hear her, whether she's right or wrong, being willing to accept and embrace when she's right and to be grateful for when she's right, when she's being critical of you or of decisions that you've made or has input that, you know, should inform the decisions that you're making. And as a wife, it informs the way that you come to your husband. There's a reason that Peter tells wives to be gentle, meek, and submissive in their orientation to their husband so that they can be one without a word. And the reason is, it's hard. You don't, you don't come to, you know, a lot of women, and especially early on in marriage, when that lack of trust is there, and we're in that place of not fighting fairly, which is what, you know, this is what Nathan was alluding to earlier. If she feels like she has to fight for a mile to get an inch, she's going to come to you uh, with her fists raised up. Mm-hmm. Or with cunning. Or with cunning. But in either case, if she comes to you with her fists raised, fighting like a man, well, that's going to set off an instinct in a man. Fight back. To fight back like a man with a man. And that's going to do a whole lot of damage real quick to your relationship (laughs) once that happens. 
Wife, if you come as a man, ready to fight like a man. One, don't be surprised if you punch, if he punches back. And then husband, don't be surprised if you punch back that you have broken something. <laughs> that, that is going to take a long time to heal. You actually have to acknowledge the fundamental realities of what it means to be a man and what it means to be a woman and how that informs how we come to each other in these types of conflicts. Which doesn't mean that there's not a place for a wife to have sharp or hard words for her husband. It just means that you have to simply acknowledge as you come or as you engage that you're dealing with a man or you're dealing with a woman. And you're dealing with a woman as a man and you're dealing with a man as a woman. I just want to tag on and appeal to people's baser instincts and just say, if you want to win, like especially for a woman, if you come with your fists raised, you're going to have so much less chance of getting what you want than if you're like real sweet and you cuddle up on the couch, it's really hard for a guy to say no to whatever. <laughs> and there's a, way to, there's a way to use that yeah, that's, that's manipulative. Right. I'm not saying that's be right. manipulative. Don't hear that's what right. I'm not saying. But that's absolutely true. Oftentimes, a wife's best weapon are tears. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, a wife's best tool to manipulate her husband are tears. But o- often, the sincere tears or weakness of a man's wife is all it takes is to melt a man's heart on an issue that he's been a stubborn jerk about. If a lady's just sweet and says, this is why I'm scared about this thing, as opposed to letting that fear turn her into a, a raging harpy, I mean, man, it's it's hard to say no to that. Yeah, if you're going to be an accusatory nag, good luck. An accusatory nag who's blaming her husband for all her problems, who's blaming her husband, who's complaining constantly about the kids or whatever else, her life, how much her life sucks and how much it's her husband's responsibility to deal with it. Good luck getting that husband to care. That's not how this works. Okay, I've had a hard day too. I have responsibilities and weights in my job that I don't bring home and I don't lay them all on you. Why are you laying all this on me? Like, what? it's my responsibility to carry all of this weight that you don't know about, all the responsibility for this household, and plus you're miserable and you don't want to discipline the kids. And so it's all that's my fault too. Yeah, good luck. Good luck getting that to go over well. That's not how this works. You have to acknowledge the reality of your husband's life and acknowledge your place in the problems that you have. And the inverse of that's also true. Like, you know, the husband that selfishly says, well, I've got the weight of all my problems at work and therefore I don't have time for your right. <laughs> emotional problems or whatever or difficulties. So don't bother bringing them to me. Don't bother telling me your fears and your concerns and your complaints and your difficulties and because I'm not going to help you with them. That's a jerk too. So it goes both ways. But when you when you recognize your role and you get out of your own head and recognize what you're dealing with in your wife or your husband, then you can begin to, you know, build on that trust, deal with your conflict well, and actually make progress. And it should be when one of you wins, you both win. But um, it might not feel that way. <laughs> yeah, time. it rarely feels that way in the moment, but in with perspective, marriage, it, it always feels that later. way. Yeah, yeah. yeah right. and it often does feel like, once you've worked through and broken through, it does, it often actually does feel like a mutual yes, win. Mm. that is true. Because now the intimacy's there and it's sweet and now we understand each other better and now we realize, hey, we're actually for each other and isn't that a sweet thing? Because the biggest fear there is always like, I have to be up for me in this and we're not on the, oh no, we actually are and can be for each other here. Mm -hmm. And what a weight removed off, you know, what, what a 
what a weight that falls off the shoulders when that happens and when you have that. The other thing that I think is worth saying about roles is it's complicated for a husband because your role, you sort of have a third role. Like there's your side of the argument, there's your wife's side of the argument, and then you're kind of arbitrating the right. argument because mm-hmm. you're the you're, you're the, the head judge. of the home, you're the judge. <laughs> yep. You're the judge and you're either the counsel for the prosecution or the defense at the same time. And so it's actually your job to catch yourself when you're saying something unfair or when you're being mean or when you're fighting yep. back. It's your job to rebuke her like, hey. It's your job to hear when she catches you and raises an objection to su- sustain the objection. To sustain. <laughs> it's also your job to, what's the opposite of sustain? Overrule. Overrule oh. her dumb objections. <laughs> like, that's complicated. There's well, any Without number- her feeling like the judge is partial in favor of. <laughs> right. And, and yeah, it gets really complicated. There are two equal and opposite mistakes. One, you can use it to just steamroll like. Yeah. Overruled, overruled, overruled. Yeah. All your valid yeah. objections are stupid. Number two, lay down. One that's more insidious for me is like, I'm not going to help you articulate your point. You know, like it's it's your it's your point. It's like, well, actually, Nathan, you're supposed to help her articulate her point here. Yeah, it's part of your loving care for her yeah. to do that. Um, yeah, you, your job is to lead this to resolution, mm-hmm. a real resolution. Which means you bear the weight of it, you bear the responsibility for it, and you don't... It's t- it's always going to be tempting to... It's tempting for me to put it on her shoulders. Like, well, this is your... Pr- you're, you're the one that's mad about the socks, actually. I just wanted to watch Netflix. Like, I, okay, are you satisfied with the socks? The, can we be done now? I was like, actually, Nathan, you shouldn't be satisfied with the socks until it's actually done. Right. Which is a choice that ultimately you're going to end up... You're going to end up making... To go back to something earlier that's related, I mean, Nathan, Nathan was saying he was he Nathan was appealing to people's baser instincts, mm-hmm. which I would never do, listener. But you want the outcome of the fight to be a good thing, and the Bible really does actually talk to you in terms of how can you get what you want. Like the whole book of Proverbs, if you read it in that sense, it's like a book of what's the skill for getting what you want? Yep. Like, hey, how do you get a king to change his mind? Well, here's a bunch of ideas. You want to talk really gently because that can break a bone. You want to be really patient because that can persuade. So there's all kinds of like things that sound like base pragmatism, maybe. There's a line between strategy over here and manipulation over here. Yeah. And we're not going to perfectly parse it for you on no. this podcast. Understanding fundamentally that you want something and that so does your yep. wife or your husband is essential to dealing with conflict. Well, in fact, it is yes. our next point. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's go to a break and we'll come back and talk about this in a minute. We'll be back. Dottie, why have you come back? Radiohead, I have come back in order to say that I am sorry. Very sorry. Sorry does not cut it, Dottie. I know. I think I'll leave you two to reconnect. No, Ollie, do not leave. This will only take a nanosecond. But, Radiohead, it is already taking more time than that, bleep bloop. Then it has taken too long. Go back to Mechador, bloop. I cannot go, Radiohead. There is an eternal process in my circuitry that must finish its course. I will not be held hostage to your electrical impulses. What do they have to do with me, bleep bloop? Radiohead... I do not wish to hold anyone hostage to my electrical impulses. 
How is this data compatible with your previously established pattern of deceptive speech and actions, a pattern which held me hostage in our previous interactions? Radiohead, I was wrong to deceive you. I was not able to resist your father. That is a weak excuse, Dot E. Even when others have a hand in programming us, we are still responsible for how we carry out that programming, bleep bloop. Yes, that is true. Unless that is one has been programmed using an implanted synaptic override protocol cube, or ISOPC. In which case such behavior becomes more excusable, because the implanted synaptic override protocol cube, or ISOPC, is nearly impossible to resist. Dot E. Yes, Radiohead. Did my father install an implanted synaptic override protocol cube, or ISOPC, in you? Is that the explanation of your pattern of deceptive speech and actions, bleep? No, Radiohead. Fight with your spouse! Fight fair. Fair, fair, fair. Fight fair. Now you roll. Avoid the spiral of doom, doom. Our next point, to avoid the spiral of doom. So part of this is understanding what you want, not just immediately in the moment, but also on the most fundamental levels. At the end of the day, what you want is to be, as a husband, respected by your wife. And what you want as a wife is to feel loved by your husband. And that's part of why scripture commands husbands to love their wives and be tender with them. Part of why scripture commands wives to submit to their husbands and to show them all honor and respect. And it's more than that. It's not just what we want. It's a, it's about how God made us. But understanding that that really at the end of the day is... I want to feel respected mm-hmm. as the head of this home. As someone under authority who feels vulnerable, I need to feel loved and cared for by this authority who has power to hurt me or to help me. Understanding that is fundamental to understanding how to engage in conflict, how to deal with each other, and how to break what I called the spiral of doom. And Nathan has told me and insisted on telling me that it's called something else in a book called Love and Respect. Well, I just don't want people <laughs> to think that Jake is stealing from Love and Respect because his shtick sounds kind of similar to theirs, but I think it's because it's a fundamental principle of human existence and they yeah. both arrived at it. Yeah. So if you've read Love and Respect, it has the thing about, I think he calls it the crazy cycle. Okay. Jake calls it the spiral of doom, which by the way, Jake's title, way cooler. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate that. It's basically... This, it, it really comes down to something this simple. I want to feel respected. The more as a, the authority in this relationship, as the husband, I feel respected, the easier it's going to be and the more inclined I'm going to be to be loving and tender because they go hand in hand. And the less I feel respected, the less inclined I'm going to be naturally to be loving and tender. We already talked about this earlier in our example mm-hmm. of civil government, right? Mm-hmm. Yep okay, I don't feel respected, and so I'm less inclined to be loving and tender. She feels less love and tenderness. She is less inclined to be respectful. I feel, and it becomes a feedback loop. I feel even less respected, so I'm more harsh and less tender. She feels less love. She becomes less respectful, and the next thing you know, we've spiraled out of control into sleeping in different beds Mm -hmm. (laughs) or sleeping in other people's beds or 
whatever else because mm-hmm. someone else over there makes me feel respected or loved. The Bible's prescription for this is simple commands. The Bible commands the husband to love his wife. And he does not say, love your wife if you feel respected or to the degree to which you feel she respects you. Simply says, love your wife. It's God's command to you. It is not dependent on or contingent upon her respect for you. And similarly, honor and respect and submit to your husband. Does not matter the degree to which you feel he loves you. It's God's command to you. And what we have to realize is we have to see and understand our own desires and what we want. We have to see and understand our, our wife or our husband's desires. And then we also need to just come back to God's simple commands to us. And we need to be able to break the cycle and say to ourselves, it does not matter. God does not care. He's not told me that I should care about how well I feel loved or how well I feel respected by my wife. The command is to love her and care for her. And so I feel my responsibility to break my part in this cycle, in this spiral of doom. Whereas the wife, it does not matter. I have to do my part to break the spiral of doom here and obey God. And often when one of you takes that step of faith, it really does break the cycle and break everything open. Um, And sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes there's the wife who's married the fool. She respects her husband He simply uses that to take further advantage of her, and it leads to horrible places. The Bible gives remedies for that kind of situation. That's not what we're talking about. Well, by the way, as I heard in a great sermon preached by one Pastor Jacob Mentel not too long ago, the Father God every day sends rain and oxygen and food to people who are in wicked rebellion, who revile his name, who actively hate him, who seek out to thwart his will. If you don't have the humility to love someone who doesn't love you to take the first step, then... You're not sons of your father who's in heaven. Mm-hmm. Because what Jesus says there is so that you may be sons of your father who are in heaven, who's in heaven. That's from the Sermon on the Mount. Yeah. yeah. What I want to say, born of painful personal experience, is that you can't have what you want, which is, as a man, which is respect, if you're not willing to know what you want on a smaller level and talk about it and have fights about it. I think I started this by talking about both the cosmic and the yep. particular, yep. but then I've spent all my time talking about the cosmic. Right. Yeah. But yeah, you you need to know too then what you want with respects to, with respect to the socks. Yeah. 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 How much? How much does or how much do the socks mean to you? How much the so- <laughs> do the socks mean to you? Her. These are important questions. Some couples could care less about the socks. Some yeah. wives could care less about. Oh, I pick up his underwear. That's just my job. Some <laughs> some wives might be really offended by that. But everyone has something they care about. Like yeah, whatever whatever your socks are, listener, find those socks. Yeah, find the socks. Find the socks <laughs> and fight about those. Socks. Well, that is one of the primary ways I've had to learn to love my wife, and it's completely unintuitive for me. I don't know why, but learning to be clear is has just been one of the hard hmm. things about being married for me. She actually told me one time, like she said these words. These words came out of her mouth because I was just like, I don't know, honey, I, and she could tell I did know what I wanted but I was just tr- I was trying to be nice I was trying to be loving and not tell her what I wanted and she, yeah, it's up to you and she just said I'm really frustrated right now because I really want to please you and I don't know what you want and that's driving me nuts <laughs> <laughs> but just tell me what you want because that would make me the most happy and, and by the way do me the dignity of assuming that if I disagree 
I'm not going to be steamrolled. Like you could tell me and I could say, oh, I don't like that. And then we can talk about it. Like I'm not some little <laughs> wilting flower that you have to protect from, from your, your actual own. opinions about whether you'd like the socks. You know, yeah. let's just start with I'd re- Nathan would really like to put his socks on the floor. He thinks that's his right as a husband. And <laughs> Meredith can handle that probably. She could not like that and submit to that. She could also come back and say, that seems really selfish. Like, let's give her the dignity of letting her be a human being right. that, that actually deserves to know <laughs> what Nathan thinks and what Nathan wants. That is, especially as the person in the subordinate role whose job is to be my helpmate, it's really helpful if she knows what I want. Well, yeah, and then has respect for that, right? You know, you were saying certain things are, you know, some family some families care about the socks. Mm-hmm. Some families don't. At the end of the day, if you're a wife who's going to have a principle about the one place where my husband has made clear that he feels most respected or disrespected is silly and stupid, and therefore it's the one place I'll never give to him. Then you're not respecting him. Then you're not respecting him. Mm-hmm. And if you, there's a place where it's the one place where you know it's just deep down visceral where and how your wife really feels loved or unloved mm-hmm. and you make a principle out of never giving her that one thing if you don't love your wife and man do we do does everybody do that all the time everybody does that all the time and they make a yep. big show of you know what i submit to my husband and everything but the fact that that but i actually just only- really likes long hair like he can't tell me how long my hair needs like come on that's that's just <laughs> that that's just yeah. silly <laughs> i submit to him in every way that is convenient for me Except for the one place where I think that, you know, and it just happens to coincide with something that means a lot to him, but I think it's stupid. Mm-hmm. And there's where I'm going to put my foot down. That's where I'm going to refuse to accept or embrace his rule over this house. And vice or, versa. I love my wife in every way, except for picking up the socks, which is what would actually make her feel loved. Exactly. <laughs> but I sure do get her a bunch of flowers that she doesn't care about. <laughs> exactly. All right, so now we've moved into talking about love languages, which isn't on our list, but we should t- we should stay sure. there for a minute, yeah. right? Because yeah. the fact is, the whole love language is crap. Really handy. <laughs> it's not crap. It's, it's really helpful. handy, and it's really helpful. The ways that I feel love, show love, may not register all that high with my wife. Mm-hmm. And the ways that she shows love may not register all that high with me. My wife loves to, it's service is her love language. She loves to serve and... You know, whether that's putting a lot of time into baking something really great or making a really neat craft. Turns out, I don't, I don't really care for baked goods all that much. <laughs> <laughs> it's a travesty. <laughs> I, I will readily admit that in this respect, I am a bad match for my wife. I have one of the best bakers I know, maybe the best baker I know for a wife, and I don't care about her baked goods because I don't care about baked goods. And she would make a whole lot of other husbands a whole lot happier with her baked goods than me and get drive a lot more satisfaction out of that gift that she could give. But she married the wrong guy. Mm-hmm. Sucks to be her. <laughs> it's funny how that happens. <laughs> <laughs> we have to find ways to bend toward each other when our love languages don't match up. Meredith is a gift giver. Mm-hmm. That's about as obvious as anything Oh, yeah. Ever, right? If you've known Meredith for a minute, then (laughs) she'd probably given you like nine things. And imagine this. She married somebody who could care less about... (laughs) Meanwhile, Nathan operates verbally on on like words of affirmation and likes to give words of affirmation. And so, and likes to 
hear himself say things that are very poetic and like and so he'll <laughs> that's just, his love language is talking to yeah, himself his, his love <laughs> language words. is, is brilliance <laughs> wow <laughs> well i mean i don't know how many times in our marriage i've just i've literally got done giving a speech and been like and if you were anyone else i would be killing with this speech this is a great speech <laughs> <laughs> now here's the flowers i picked up at the gas station on the way home yeah. Aww. No. <laughs> i mean it's funny i mean I, we have to have a sense of humor about it and yeah. it feels like god has a sense of humor and who he puts together with it's just like yeah you have to learn to love people the way that they feel loved not the way that you feel loved mm-hmm. yeah and it's hard <laughs> and it's hard yeah in some ways, it's the hardest thing about relationships because so many of these things can run in line with your intuitions. Mm-hmm. But if you've married someone who does not share your love language, you have to learn to run counterintuitively mm-hmm. all the time. That's such an uphill fighting upstream battle. It is so hard to learn to run uphill to learn to run upstream to learn to run counterintuitive when all all your life your intuition is always i know what makes me feel loved and therefore i know how to show love to people when they need to feel loved well when that doesn't work when your instinct when your intuition is just fundamentally wrong because you're just simply dealing with somebody who is other Mm -hmm. that's hard that's challenging that can be frustrating and i think that's where a lot of that's the reason that book is so successful because that's where a lot of relationships and marriages break down is people simply refuse or are incapable or need a lot of help understanding Mm -hmm. that they're just talking past each other here i just think for me hope lies this is going to sound so weird and counterintuitive maybe but hope lies in dry mechanics like okay there's that painful early part where you have to figure out what the person's love language is but then it's like all right Time is her thing. That means I should have a reminder on my phone that I need to stop working at this time. I need to go and I need to be there and I won't be the perfect giver of time and I will end up looking at my phone too often and I will this and I will that. But at least I will have set aside an hour of dedicated her time. Okay, gifts are his thing. Okay, I mean, you said something about reminders on your phone. (laughs) I'm just going to keep using that. You know, like I will set a reminder on my phone. It says her birthday is such and such. I need to get a gift. Actually, I need to get five. And they need to be meaningful gifts and not just gifts that I think are practical or nice. This gift needs an explanation right, of why it was special and the thought and care that went into it because that's what matters to her. Which means I need to be paying attention to the things that she sees at the store, to the things that she talks about. I need to have a little process running in my mental computer that's coming up with gift ideas. And if that's not natural write it on my hand i need it in my phone i need something that's like hey set aside dedicated time to think about this thing that you would not in any way otherwise think about because it wouldn't matter it wouldn't mean anything to you personally you know i mean intuition can just take a long walk in the sticks like yeah right. no kidding you just yeah. you just have to do the thing you have to figure out what the thing is and then you got to be willing to work yeah and that's the part that's why it's hard it's because it takes work but that is the thing that in a, in a simultaneously gives me hope because, because it's you like can actually work. I can, I can work. I, I can't necessarily make myself feel great about giving a gift. I don't know whether that part will ever change. I may never ex- experience the love language in the same way that she does, but I sure can set a reminder on my phone. Like when it's the gamified, when it's brought down to the level of just doing a thing, I was like, okay, by God's grace, 
I can do that. I can yeah. figure out ways to do that. I can solve that problem. If I tell myself, oh, I just, I have to be, I have to be more sensitive. It's like, okay, I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to take that vague abstraction and make it into a, a new virtue. But if the virtue is to actually do a set of practical things, failingly, sinfully, by God's grace, I can do that. We talk about this sort of thing even when we talk about things like sanctification, right? Yeah, it's we like, say this all the time in different ways. Is it faith to think that we need to just have innate inside of us the right disciplines in our life? Or is it faith to say, I'm going to set up disciplines in my life that are practical and pragmatic and that help me be obedient to God? Well, it's the same sort of thing. I will set up the practical, pragmatic thing I need to do because I love my wife and I want her to feel loved. And it's not natural to me to love her in, the, in this particular way. And because by God's grace, I have the faith that if I do this pragmatic thing that doesn't feel like anything, God will bless it because I mean, he called me to love her. I think a lot of us have sensed that if it doesn't flow naturally from me, especially towards God, but also towards other people, it's not love, it's not valid, well, yeah. it's not genuine. Where, where, where do we get that? I mean, maybe this is another Sound of Sanity episode, but... I feel like it's a lot of Sound of Sanity episodes, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it is in that sense. But, uh, but the question, like, where does this come from? Is it pietism? Is it, is it just in the air of America? This yeah, we, we live in a culture that basically believes in emotionalism and that if you don't feel something, then it's, it's not true. It's not valid. Truth not, is yeah. feeling and feeling is truth. That's, yeah. that, that is the fundamental presupposition that guides the lives of people raised in Western society. And I think it has weird outworkings like that where you work backwards and you think, well, I don't feel this, so ergo, it must not be true. Yeah, and I'm um, a horrible person. And ergo, I'm a horrible person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's like, actually, feelings don't matter half the time. And you are a horrible person. <laughs> yeah, and I'm, and I, yeah, actually, you are a horrible person. And actually, but you have to train your feelings. Like, welcome to the human race. So It's not that these things don't become intuitions over time. It's not that God will never change your heart. It's just that it's a chicken and egg kind of thing. And you, don't, and you don't say, well, unless I have a chicken, I'll never lay an egg. It's a very, very strange <laughs> That's analogy. That's what I say to myself <laughs> yep. all the time. Unless I have a chicken, I will <laughs> never, never lay, lay an egg. egg. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys, that brings us to number five. Don't let the sun go down on your anger, except when you should. Fight with your spouse! Fight fair. fair, fair, fair. Fight fair. Know your role. Avoid the spiral of doom. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Except when you should. You know, maybe we should have put that up at, at the top with just have conflict because what we're talking about is keeping short accounts with each other and actually committing to working through things. You don't want to sit on something if you're feeling it for yeah. days and days. You don't want to sit on it. You don't want to let it fester. You don't want to let it turn into bitterness. You want to deal with it. And if you have conflicts that you don't fight out, they metastasize and turn into relationship killers. I mean, that's just... Yeah. I think we all know that on some big picture level, but... Then the then the conflict comes along, and we just we've had a long day, and we don't want to talk about it, or we think it'll just go away. And and then you need to realize that what you're choosing is you are choosing the death of your relationship by bits and degrees, piece by piece, by choosing to not deal with that conflict. You're saying no to intimacy. You're saying no to relational health, and you're saying no to this relationship and marriage, which doesn't mean that there aren't times that uh, love doesn't cover a multitude of sins, right? Love covers a multitude of sins. Not absolutely everything in your marriage needs to be addressed, but there are those conflicts that you have a choice. And the choice is, am I gonna let this fester or are we gonna deal with it and work through it? 
you have to choose to work through it and you have to choose to work through it well and you have to refuse to let the sun go down on your anger you have to decide that you're going to work through things together because you're committed to the relationship more than you are committed to your immediate comfort or to whatever the principle is that you don't want to let go of Mm -hmm. and that you just want to stay angry about we have often gotten into trouble in our marriage because we have by the way folks meredith vets all these things she's you're not going to hear anything that she's not okay in case you were uncomfortable about that um We've gotten into trouble because we come up with very spiritual reasons for letting the sun go down on our anger every once in a while. You know, it'll be like, well, actually, it is petty of me to care about the socks, even though I'm really angry about the socks. And so love shall cover a multitude of that horrible person's sock sins. (laughs) And we won't talk about it because love covers a multitude of like we'll, we'll do. I mean, we don't. Articulate it like idiots, <laughs> like that. <laughs> but it'll be like, I don't want to be angry about this right now. So I'm just going to be really angry about this and not say anything. I will be the bigger person here. Yeah. I'm going to be the bigger person compared to you, the you small, little, tiny person, <laughs> pathetic person. <laughs> uh, I don't know if anybody else out there can relate to that, but you surely know, not. Surely not. Nah. There, there'll be very pious sounding reasons not just from meredith from me for not dealing with things or it'll even be like you know what actually objectively the socks shouldn't matter that much and so i i would like to not make a big deal out of the socks on the other hand my feelings for whatever reason aren't letting this go i think there is a time and a place for just saying your feelings are stupid and you need to get over it there's also a time and a place for saying you know what you need to fight this out because you're not letting it go you can't just sit on it and be angry about it. Like, okay, maybe yeah. the socks don't matter. You still need to talk about the socks because apparently they matter to you. Maybe the socks don't matter, but they indicate something bigger about your relationship because you obviously feel threatened by the fact that these socks keep landing on the floor. And we said, don't let the sun go down on your anger. We also said, except, except when, when you, you should. should. And all we mean by that is you need to be very careful to not take this one too literally. And I mean, literally like, some problems you're not going to solve in a day. And there's a point at which you're so tired, you're so exhausted, you're so emotionally spent that you need to actually, it's more healthy to lay the argument down and come back and pick it up in the morning or the next day. There are times to push through, lots of times to push through. And I think for the most part, most people need to hear you need to push through Mm -hmm. because people are too willing to live with or paper over their conflicts. But there are certain people and certain relationships and certain times where you just need to be willing to say, hey, look, we haven't come to resolution here, but we're exhausted and we're spent and this isn't going anywhere. And I still love you. You still love me. And we're going to work through this, but we both just need our sleep right now. Are you okay with that? Are we okay with that? Can we, can, can we lay this down and trust that we're going to come back and finish this out? You do need to mostly argue yourselves into a place where you at least are able to look each other in the eye and say, we'll figure this out. Like I think one of the litmus tests is if I have to go sleep on the couch, it means probably we're not we, done. we need to keep working a little bit. <laughs> yeah. But if we can sleep in the same bed, trust that we're not there yet, but okay. Yeah. That's, that was a hard one for me to learn. Still is. I get really angsty about not resolving conflict and, but at a certain point, you just can't resolve it because it's just mm-hmm. like you're so spent. Well, and some of the most brutally 
awful mistakes we've made in our relationship have been when we've pushed past 3 a.m. or something, and then you just start saying stuff that yeah. doesn't even make sense and is just nasty. You can really hurt yourself and hurt the other person there. Yeah. <sighs> and also some things just take longer than, like you were saying, 24 hours to process. Like, you don't get to the truth of everything quickly. Sometimes you'll think you're done, and then you'll come back a week later and be like, actually, I think we got to the wrong conclusion there. Don't take one Bible verse and make it into a principle that tyrannizes absolutely everything else. I think that brings us to number six, which is have hope. Fight with your spouse. Fight fair. Know your role. Avoid the spiral of doom. Don't let the sun go down. Except when you should. Have hope. The main thing to say is that, look, we're all sinners. Relationships are hard. But by God's grace, we can grow, and we can grow in our love for one another and our trust for one another. And we can, we can make it through some really difficult stuff by God's help. If you trust God, if you're committed to actually having a real relationship and addressing conflict and fighting fair and knowing your place and obeying God's commands to you, working through things to the end, your relationship's going to grow and conflict is going to become easier and in many ways more rare. You're going to accumulate relational victories over time that's going to bear fruit down the line in your marriage and with your children and long term. But you got to have faith for the little things and the early things. And the more proactive you are and the more willing you are to have faith early on, the easier it's going to be down the line. Now, some people listening to this may be 10, 15, 20 years into a marriage where the whole first half of the marriage was spent avoiding conflict. And so now you've got some dragons living under the bed. Okay, so you fed the dragon and you've got a dragon. Well, now you've got to fight the dragon and that's hard. Should be about one night of really difficult work, right, Jake? No, <laughs> Yeah, you just solve, solve, you know, 10 years of problems in, in one cathartic fight. That yeah, sounds man. like a plan for the future. Let the next 10 years go by, man. That's really the it. way to do it. Once every 10 years, yeah, have a knockdown awesome. drag out. A knockdown <laughs> dragon out. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, right, Ben. That's right. <laughs> Point is, look, you're not going to solve 10 years of relational problems and mistrust and conflict avoidance in a day. But you can take steps and you can get help. And there are pastors and elders out there that are ready and willing to help you. So trust God, start the work. Be in it for the long haul because you're committed to the relationship and you're committed to obeying God and get the help that you need from people. God's arm's not so short that he can't restore the years that the locusts have eaten in your marriage, in your relationship. That's the sort of thing that he delights to do. God always, through conflict, I feel relegated by him. And that has been a blessing. Whatever psalm it is, there's a verse I always think of where God's telling us how it's going to go. I'm going to deliver you and you're going to thank me. That's how this works. Yeah. <laughs> and I love that. Anytime I think I have, finally, I got that principle sorted out. And next time, I'm going to mm-hmm. have the right kind of fight and have a good conscience. And then I don't. And then God delivers me. <laughs> it turns out we need God's help. Yeah. You weren't clever enough. We weren't clever enough. But next time you will be. <laughs> next time, yeah. <laughs> next time I got this. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. If I just accumulate enough of the Lord's victories, eventually I'll be able to have my own. Yeah, well, that's exactly wow. <laughs> how I think all the time. Yeah. Because I'm a wicked man. <sighs> all right. Go out there and fight your spouse. Good luck. Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, Radiohead.
your father did not install an implanted synaptic override protocol cube or ISOPC in me. That is not the explanation. If you do not believe me, you may download the data for my synaptic protocol history. Then why? Why did you do what you did? I'm, I'm gonna leave. I really am gonna leave for now. Bye. Because my parents wanted me to act for the good of Mechador. Because the alliance with your father, Lord Weyerberg, is fragile. Because I thought that utilizing a pattern of deceptive speech and action in order to please your father would serve the best interests of our families and of all Mechador. I thought it would strengthen the Matrixians and Weyerbergs against the cyborgs. Bleep bloop. But the scroll of directives of Mechadorius the Prime teaches us all not to engage in a pattern of deceptive speech and action. Not everything is as simple as following the scroll of directives of Mechadorius the Prime, Radiohead. Not E. If you have access to higher level than Mechadorius the Prime, why have you come to apologize to me? Radiohead, do not be like that. Do not be like what? You know what? No, I do not know what. There is love. How can I believe what you say? There is love. There is love. I was engaging in a pattern of deceptive words and behavior when I said the words, There is no love. Oh, Dot E, I want to believe you. Oh, Radiohead, falling in love with you was not part of the plan. I used to believe that love was merely a biological construct generated by lesser life forms like the cyborgs on our own planet or the humans on planet Earth. But now I understand that I was mistaken. Bleep bloop. Oh, Dot E, I have decided to believe you and accept your previous apologies for your pattern of deceptive words and actions. Bleep bloop. Thank you, Radiohead. You are welcome, Dot E. What happens now? Now we will take your ship to a certain robot rabbi who lives in the heart of Jupiter. Oh, Radiohead, I am looking forward to make a matrimony. Bleep bloop. Yes, I just need to help Ollie pack for the journey. Radiohead? Yes, Dot E. Do you have to bring Ollie? We have had so little time together, just you and me. In the heart of Jupiter is no place for a human. Bleep bloop. He is my friend. I want him to come. He will be happy to keep to his quarters so that we can spend more time together. Bleep bloop. Okay, Radiohead. Anything for you. I will be right back. Initiate transmission to Mechador. He is coming with me. We will be at Jupiter at the appointed time. But I have some bad news. The human biological male that he calls his friend will be coming as well. Sound of Sanity was produced by me, executive produced by Jake and me, associated produced by Benjamin Solzer. Go to patreon.com forward slash sound of sanity to join the fun behind the magical wall of bonus content there. Just a cup, the price of a cup of coffee a month or more, you can support this work and get access to some great stuff, including our Sanity Bites. It's a show that we regularly do behind the paywall. 
where we talk about things like Hamilton, Romanian orphans, Gerald, and why you don't want want to be like him. Who's Gerald? You'll have to pay to find out at patreon.com forward slash sound of sanity. Go there today. We appreciate it. We love you. Until next time, stay sane.